right, good morning, apes. Thank you guys again for joining us here today at the Daily Peel live stream. Of course, coming at you live from the Daily Peel Global Headquarters, as always. You guys already know what's going on. We got Daily Peel number 651 for us here today. Shout out to everybody listening later on on the podcast, on the YouTube channel. Make sure you leave us a like, subscribe, comment, anything to get the interaction off so that the algorithms start to push us even further. And once again, so I can really keep my job. That would be absolutely fantastic. So, Shout out to you guys for joining us live. Love everybody else listening later on. We got a lot to talk about here today. A lot going on in markets. We're off to a bit of a rocky start here on this beautiful Wednesday morning, 11.41 a.m. here Eastern Time on February 21st, 2024. Once again, shout out to everybody. Thanks for joining us here today. I see a lot more of you guys coming into the call. So thanks for joining us all right now. We do have a lot to talk about, including Buffett and Berkshire's 13F. Not going to lie, we are a little bit late to the party on this one here. This came out a good few days ago, but there was just so much to talk about leading up to it. So we didn't really get a chance to go over things. We're going to dive deeply into that here, get our thoughts on exactly what's going on in the uh, 93, 94-year-old Warren Buffett's head, see if he's getting a little bit senile or what exactly is going on with the portfolio. Then, of course, we got some major stock movements of the day to talk about. We actually saw a dip in chip stocks in the day leading up to NVIDIA's earnings report coming out later on this afternoon. Also stay tuned to get our thoughts on what we expect from that. And then we'll finish up with the acquisition of the week here, or at least acquisition of the week so far in Discover and Capital One. Capital One has certainly discovered their latest growth engine. So that's always good stuff for us to hear. All right, but of course, before we get started, we don't have a daily dose of financial fraud here today, but what we do have is a daily dose of absolutely egregious levels of cringe uh, in various videos regarding Apple's Vision Pro headset. So if our Crackpot team of producers can get that pulled up here, let's see if we can get it done. Thanks, Blake. Thank you. Oh, yes, I got the Apple Vision Pro. Damn it. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sure all of you guys out there, including myself, just threw up all over the place. I'm glad that the video was in front of my face so you couldn't see the disgust going on. But they treat the thing like it's goddamn baby Simba holding it up over, you know, whatever that whatever the place is called. And uh, in the in the movie, The Lion King, and then this guy just comes over here and throws Simba on the ground. I mean, if chronically online was a person, it seems like it would be that guy. So before I start bullying him too much. Let's just go ahead and dive into exactly what's going on in the markets today. Like we said, relatively rocky start to the day here, but certainly better looking than yesterday is already. We saw the WSO Alpha portfolio down about 48 basis points, held up a little bit better than the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 on the day, and that puts us exactly neck and neck with the S&P 500 so far this year. I mean, like I always said, guys, the S&P is just way too easy to be, way too easy of a benchmark. Never doubted us for a second on that, but compared to the NASDAQ, we got a little bit of work to do. We got to start gambling a little bit more, I think, which is crazy to me because we already do have Bitcoin and Ethereum in our portfolio. Uh, so we definitely have that exposure. They've done pretty well this year so far. Ethereum pu pushing nearly 30% up already. So uh, definitely some good stuff going on in that market. Like we said yesterday, they just needed the traditional financial firms to really help them out apparently. So I guess that's what we got going on today. Not looking great to start off this morning, but we'll see if things can turn around especially in the after hours with some big news coming. All right, and then we did get a report from Bank of America here that the Global Financial Stress Index has reached its lowest level, or I guess technically its highest level since COVID showed up. It's a good thing. It means stress is at the lowest level that it has been. 
But on this chart, the way that they show it is that it's going up. So it's a little bit confusing, but trust me, stress levels are the lowest they've been since COVID showed up. That's always something great to see. Now, Palo Alto Networks, on the other hand, there was nothing great to see with their quarterly report that they released yesterday. The cybersecurity firm absolutely shit the bed. Their guidance was complete trash, which was quite the surprise given that CrowdStrike absolutely killed it just a couple of days ago. Now, it does take a special kind of talent, a special kind of heart and determination to create your very own kind of insider trading. So that's exactly what we saw with Oric Pharmaceuticals. Uh, Matt Penuat, he's an executive at the company. I don't really think he actually does anything. Think of anybody seen Silicon Valley. He's one of those guys that rests and vests. And that's exactly what we kind of saw uh, with this new form of insider trading. Definitely check that out if you do have a Wall Street Journal article. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure every financial report and their mother had a story on it as well. And then finally, corporate America did hit a new record in terms of overall cash out last year. What's your analysis on NVIDIA? Stay tuned for just a couple more minutes here, uh, Abhinav. We're going to be talking about that in just a quick second when we get into the chip stocks. And then I'm sure I'll get proven wrong at 4 p.m. here today when the earnings report comes out. Uh, but we'll talk about that in just a brief second. Before we get into NVIDIA and the other chip stocks here, guys, we're going to talk about Buffett's 13F. 13F reasons why. Now, I would challenge anybody to identify the difference in these two pictures here. And it's kind of an impossible task. It's actually a trick question because these are the exact same image. Here we have Statler and Waldorf. And this is just a real-life impersonation of Statler and Waldorf. I mean, obviously, we got to say RIP to one of the goats, Mr. Charlie Munger himself. Uh, he did pass away on November 29th of last year. He's one of the greatest out there, just short of hitting that 100 years of age mark, which he would have hit on January 1st of 2024. Either way, ripped to Charlie, but Buffett is still going strong. So 13F filings. This is a regulatory required document to be filed with the SEC for all asset managers of public portfolios of over $100 million in uh, assets under management. So if you have more than 100 million AUM, which I'm sure the WSO Alpha will be hitting relatively soon, so you'll see our 13Fs start to come out relatively frequently at some point. But this is required to be filed within 45 days of any quarter's end. And Buffett, always waiting to that 45-day mark, released this earlier this week. So the biggest news from the 13F was, uh, once again, was first and foremost, the portfolio is still absolutely killing it. They're doing a pretty good job. Now, we all know that Buffett is a value investor. He likes that safety. Margin of safety is often the most important thing that they're considering. So they typically don't rip quite as high as the indexes in years that are uh, more positive or more risk on, but they sure do hold up a hell of a lot better than the indices do in years with downtrends. So in 2022, they only uh, they actually returned about 4% positive while the rest of the market completely fell off the face of the earth. But the biggest change that happened, at least in the recent quarter, relates to this guy. You guys might have heard of a little company out of Cupertino, California called Apple Inc. And Berkshire, in case you guys didn't know this, owns about 55 to 6% of Apple's publicly traded float. So they own about 55 to 6% of this company overall. It is far and away their largest position in the portfolio. It's about 44% of the Berkshire Hathaway public stock investing portfolio. That is a huge chunk, and it was even more so before they started trimming that position in this past quarter. Now, Berkshire did sell about 10 million shares worth of Apple. They still hold 905 million, uh, an absolute fuck ton of shares. I can't imagine any number being that large, but it does translate to about a $160 billion YOLO trade in the second largest stock in the entire world in Apple. So it was interesting to see them start to trim. Now, a lot of people have been worried about Apple, uh, especially 
lately, given that the AI wars are kind of starting to really heat up here. And Apple has been radio silent in terms of what's going on with their artificial intelligence. The company usually likes to be a little bit sneaky about these things. They think they're getting cute and acting like nobody's paying attention to them. Everybody is paying attention. We're all dying to hear exactly what's going on. We do have inside word that Apple is far behind on the artificial intelligence race here. I'm the furthest thing possible from a scientist or a technologist, so I definitely can't tell you what's going on behind the scenes. That's just what we hear. But if we go ahead and take a look, we can see that Apple has absolutely dominated Berkshire Hathaway alone, as well as the S&P 500 over the past five years or so. This is really going back to just before COVID took off. So as we can see, Berkshire has just slightly outperformed this very light blue over this darker blue color uh, that represents Berkshire just slightly outperforming. And that only happened very recently, uh, whereas Apple has just obviously absolutely taken off. We all kind of know that. And it's because Berkshire has had this enormous weighting of Apple in their portfolio that they've been able to outperform the index so far. Seeing them from this position could suggest a couple of things. First thing that comes to mind is, you know, having any position that's nearly half of your portfolio is a bit risky for any portfolio manager, regardless of what that company is. So it could just be some basic trimming. But if they were resizing their position, they probably would have done more than just sell about 10 million of those shares. So again, not really too sure what's going on with that opportunity. But it could have just been a rotation as well, because we did see uh, the Berkshire portfolio start to take up some new positions, specifically in a little company called Capital One that we'll be talking about a little bit later on. They did start to enter a position in that company. And one of the funniest things about the Berkshire portfolio is they're actually requesting some special treatment from the SEC about a certain position. Now, as we said at the beginning, within a 13F, you have to disclose every publicly traded company that the portfolio holds. But Buffman Berkshire, there is one that they haven't disclosed just yet. They've been granted anonymity by the SEC. And this is because presumably, if it was announced which company they were holding, the stock would absolutely skyrocket. So it must be the case that Buffett and Berkshire are building a position over the long term, and they don't want uh, the knowledge of their investment in this company to cause the stock to take off so much that they can't purchase at a reasonable price anymore. Buffett knows his influence on the market, and he doesn't want that to become a problem before they can build up too much of a position. And so we personally just can't wait to see exactly what that position is going to be. Personally, I really hope that it's like GameStop or AMC or something like that. I think that would be the funniest thing possible. As Elon Musk said, irony is... Uh, or what did he say? Fate loves irony. That would be the most ironic outcome I can possibly imagine. Would personally love to see that. Now, the ultimate takeaway here is something that we haven't talked about just yet. One of the most important things is that Buffett and Berkshire do have roughly a $158 billion pile of cash sitting in that investment portfolio, currently not doing anything whatsoever. Buffett's the type of guy who loves to throw, uh, throw cash at these opportunities really whenever he can. So the fact that he's not investing shows that there's a distinct lack of fat pitches available in public financial markets. Otherwise, Berkshire would be all over that. He would love to spend that money if he saw the correct opportunity, but clearly isn't seeing anything right now. We can't wait to see what happens going forward. All right, now let's move on into some what's ripe stocks of the day. Our biggest mover was, of course, Vizio Holdings. I actually have a Vizio TV. I've had it since college. Used to love it, but over the past couple of days, for whatever reason, it's just decided it doesn't want to open up my apps anymore. So actually, fuck Vizio despite the fact that they've given me years of good entertainment service. Now, because that entertainment service has been so good, they are being acquired. And if you think that it's by one of those big tech companies, then you're an absolute moron because they're actually being acquired by Walmart. I don't think anybody had this on their bingo card for 2024 here, but Walmart is getting in the game on their advertisement business. 
Walmart does already offer some ads like listings on their website and some other nonsense. It's Walmart, in case you guys don't know, is the company that generates the single highest amount of revenue in the entire world. Uh, so they, they got their hands in quite a lot of different things. With that fat pile of revenue, however, retail is a very low margin business. So Walmart, despite the fact that they've had no problem expanding their revenue, they have a bit of a tough time increasing their margin profile. And so that's what this acquisition is looking to do. By purchasing Vizio, they're going to increase the revenue mix, uh, the revenue mix that's dedicated to advertisements and hopefully increase their margins overall. Both Vizio and Walmart stock were up on the day. So investors are clearly hyped about it. Moving on into Barclays here. So we have uh, the British version of American banks. This is really the biggest wannabe bank that I can possibly imagine. It's kind of like a wannabe JP Morgan, but from England, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure everything in England is wannabe of the United States, but either way, like the Eagle in their logo, Barclays stock did take off yesterday after a slew of announcements, uh, shouting out some changes to the firm. Most notably, they're going to be dividing the firm into five separate units. This is going to drive about two and a half billion dollars in expense reductions by 2026. So I guess over the next two years, plus they're going to be doing a fat pile of buybacks of $12.66 billion by that time period as well. All good stuff for investors. So the stock popped on the news. All right. Moving on down into some of our big losers of the day. First and foremost, we do have chip stocks. Chip stocks did sell off yesterday and it was a bit of a surprise, especially given that they're coming into NVIDIA's earnings report here later on today. Now, we did see some uh, actual positivity with one analyst coming out and slapping a $1,050 price target on NVIDIA. But really what we could be seeing here is some profit taking. So what's going on here? Now, NVIDIA, as we all know, its past couple of earnings reports have absolutely blown markets away, blown away every expectation that they possibly could. But with their latest earnings report, they really did drive up expectations quite a bit. They drastically increased their revenue projections along with their earnings guidance. So expectations are high. That's the understatement of the century that expectations are high for this company going forward. Now, we know that demand isn't going to be a problem. That is not the issue at all with semiconductors, with NVIDIA, uh, or with the industry as a whole. But what's going to be the issue is supply challenges. Now, if NVIDIA and the rest of the market can keep up with that demand, then it's probably going to be looking like a solid quarter. But any kinks to that production side and their ability to actually continue to pump out GPUs and other chips at such a vast scale, that's going to be the key thing going forward. It's kind of like Tesla back in the day when everybody was worried about production. There was no concerns about uh, demand for electric vehicles. It was only if Tesla could actually do it. And so that is really the big concern going forward. Later on today, I mean, NVIDIA, they've set the bar very high for themselves. And so has the market overall. If they can beat that, uh, they're going to have to beat it not only on the top line and on the bottom line, they're going to have to beat on guidance as well. And Arguably, the most important line item to be looking at there is going to be their production numbers and what they can expect to produce in 2024, because if they can't keep up with that demand, that gives other companies like AMD and other firms the opportunity to swoop in and eat up that market share that otherwise would be NVIDIA. If you ask me, I think the risk is much more to the downside than it is to the upside on this earnings report, uh, and that could be why we were seeing a little bit of selling. No, the market may have been thinking the same thing, and a lot of traders could have said, hey, you know what, I'm looking to take my profits here today, uh, and I'm going to, you know, uh, they're willing to risk the fact that the stock's going to pop up on earnings just to take that profit here today. So that's kind of the view that the market was expressing yesterday. Now, personally, I don't necessarily have a view whether or not they're going to beat that earnings and the stock's going to outperform, but I do once again want to reiterate that the risk is much more to the downside, given how high the bar has been set and how difficult those production challenges are going to be. So that's what I would say. Let me know if that uh, if that satisfies you for an answer there, Abonabop. 
Now, moving on to Caterpillar here for the day. This stock fell about 2.5%. Caterpillar is one of those industrial giants of the United States, as I'm sure you guys know. And it turns out uh, Wall Street actually drastically prefers the color green to yellow. Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that dollar bills are green themselves, but they are preferring deer to Caterpillar so far. At least that's what we got in an analysis from Evercore yesterday. Evercore downgraded uh, Evercore downgraded Caterpillar shares from a, I believe, from a buy rating to a haul rating. The you know, it's not like there's anything crazy going on with these companies themselves. These are two of the most cyclical companies in the market, being industrial producers. So Deer, uh, according to Evercore, is further into the down cycle, meaning they're kind of at the trough already. And, you know, the only path forward is to the upside, whereas Caterpillar allegedly still has further down to go. That's kind of the interpretation that we got, at least. Uh, and that's what Barron said as well, that they're further along in its down cycle. Now, I think it's important to remember that a deer would absolutely smoke a caterpillar in a fight as well. So that could be why we're seeing a performance from deer because everybody wants to own the company and the animal that's going to beat up the other one. I mean, that's one of the most important parts in my analysis of any stock is how is their logo? Obviously, that's one of the most important things to consider. All right, moving on down into what was probably the biggest story of the day yesterday and of this week so far. That's one of the biggest discoveries in human history going on right up there with Christopher Columbus, Isaac Newton. You know, all those other people, uh, whatever the guy who discovered Penicillin's name is. Add to that list Mr. Dean Witter Reynolds. You guys probably have no idea who that is. I certainly have no fucking clue before yesterday. But he's in charge of one of the most valuable discoveries in the world here this week. And that, of course, being Discover Financial. Discover Financial is now valued at a that $35.3 billion price tag in their acquisition here. So what we found out Monday night was that Capital One was in talks to Discover to purchase Discover Financial, excuse me, that was confirmed yesterday that the two are going to be merging. They basically got together and said, I do. They are finally getting married here. And of course, the peanut gallery started chirping almost immediately. All the usual suspects immediately came out on Fintwit and started throwing an absolute temper tantrum. My personal favorite is always the senator from my very home state of Massachusetts, Miss Elizabeth Warren. Lizzie W., she is... You know, one of those uh, one of those kind of crazy grandmother senator figures who just kind of freaks out whenever anybody has to try tries to have any fun. This woman couldn't find Wall Street with a GPS, and I think Liquidity had one of the best tweets as well underneath this tweet. If you guys click into the link, uh, he said something along the lines of, "This is the first time that Discover and Capital One have been referred to as a Wall Street." And ultimately, the lesson here is to pipe down grandma. Now, despite the fact that she arguably and almost definitively has absolutely no idea what she's talking about when it comes to these transactions. She does hold a whole lot of sway in that side of the party, and that party does currently control the FTC. So although we've started to hear from the peanut gallery like Lizzie W., who we really want to hear from is Lena, Miss Walking Al Khan, who has lost just about every case for the FTC so far. If they do go ahead and start to pursue a legal action against this deal, I mean, if it's anything like the other legal action she's pursued so far, it's going to be absolute trash, and it's going to have no impact whatsoever. But... We'll have to wait and see if there are any challenges thrown, if there's any flags thrown on the play. Now, shares in Discover popped over 12.5% on the day. They were, uh, it was basically like a 26-ish percent premium as of Monday's close. So this is reflecting some trepidation among market participants that the deal actually could get completed. Otherwise, we would have seen it rip up a little bit higher to that acquisition price. That's not what we saw on the day, but either way, it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward between the combination of Lizzie W. and Lena L. Khan going forward. 
Now I'm sure they're going to start to throw some flags, but we'll see if it actually is enough to cause a delay in the game. Now we're just wondering if they're actually going to be able to merge. If so, is it going to be in its current form? Is there any other changes going forward? And then some wild speculation to throw out you guys with this last question. What other acquisitions should be on the lookout? Should we be on the lookout for? Personally, I can't believe that nobody has even thought about buying companies like Robinhood and Peloton so far. Those are two of the fattest acquisition targets I can imagine in the market right now. Very surprising that we're not seeing any activity. Imagine if, you know, like a JP Morgan or even even more random, like a UBS or something bought Robinhood. These companies that are more geared towards, you know, professional investors and institutional investment quality. This could be a great kind of pathway going forward for them to get into the retail game is just buying a company like Robinhood. UBS did try to do this. They tried to buy uh, what's called Wealthfront uh, a couple of years back, I think back in 2022, ultimately called up that acquisition. And then you got forced to merge with their bitter rival, Credit Suisse. And then Peloton has been the fattest acquisition target for quite some time as well. A Nike, a Lululemon, even an Apple or something like that could be a great acquirer. Seems to be a lot of, and I hate this word, but there seems to be a lot of synergies between those companies as well. Uh, and on that note, we are good to end it for the day. We still got to go with our quote, our wise investor says. This is from Christine Lagarde, who is basically Europe's version of J-PAL. And uh, she basically said, we're seeing a trend of industry consolidation across various sectors, driven by the pursuit of efficiency, cost savings, and market dominance. Hey, if it gets my shit to me cheaper, faster, and better, that's all good with me. Guys, make sure you leave us a rating, whether it's in the actual Daily Peel newsletter here, or if it's going to be on the YouTube channel, if it's on our podcast channels, anything else like that, give us a like, give us a subscription, do whatever you have to do to drive engagement so that I can keep my job. Just make sure you say nice things because otherwise you're going to ruin not only my day and week, probably my entire month and year as well. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us here today. And uh, as always, happy trading, happy investing, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye now. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.